Oh. All right. Well, well. Uh, <laughs> well, welcome, welcome back, everyone, to the Exo Friends <laughs> on the the Exo Squad podcast on the Outer Millennial Network. I am one of your hosts, Dave Hoyt, as and always joined by my two favorite people, Kayvon Fashami and Lexi DeKerning. Greetings from a snowy Denver on this uh, very peaceful Sunday afternoon. And meanwhile, morning, actually. meanwhile, here in Columbus, Ohio, it's like 70 degrees. Seriously? Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, Is I'm that wearing... normal for this time of year in Columbus? No. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> it's supposed... yes. I'm supposed to be covered in snow right now. Oh, well, <laughs> it's normal now. <laughs> yeah, the new normal. There is no normal. Uh, I mean, kind of, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get we'll jump right into it today. Um, yeah, we're talking we're talking about uh, this episode of Exo Squad called Ultimatum, written by Mark Edens and Sherry Goodhart, who we have spoken about before. Um, and, yeah, and just kind of generally, I just wanted to kind of say at the outset, this is a fantastic episode. Like, yeah. really, really enjoyed this one. I think this gets it like kind of again the heart of like a lot of the kind of interesting and nuanced uh, issues this show deals with. Top it, notch. It's a it's also one of those episodes that has a lot of really well animated action, mm-hmm. like the the scene where Nara's running through the sewer and she almost gets drowned. Like that's really that looks really good. Um, I will I will say that you know obviously if you're listening to this, we hope that you've watched the episode and we're not you know you're not spoiling yourself. But there, I, the only I think the only complaint I have about this episode is at some points, like they don't really sell the injuries at the end of the episode, mm-hmm. like. It just kind of feels like uh, James just kind of falls over and dies. He's like, eh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just kind of like, okay, he had enough energy to pilot the EXO, uh, the E-frame out to the snake tree for no reason either, because like Nara's at the like cave that they're fighting at. She just can't like, catch I up must, with him. I must get to the snake tree, and then he dies. It's like, bro, if you just like kind of set Marsala down outside the cave and got medical attention, you might still be alive. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll dive deep, deeper into that when we get to it. But I think really that's my only complaint about this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, Fair. We 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 start up with a nightmare from JT. This obviously needs to not eat so many weird things before bed or something <laughs> like that, um, because at first he's drowning in Venusian quicksand, almost gets pulled under by weird tentacle porn uh, seaweed. Yeah. And, but he's saved by his love, Colleen O'Reilly, and then attacked by a vampire wizard, Noretti, who melts into a skeleton. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot going on in that opening scene. <laughs> yeah, as far as, like, nightmare sequences go, like, kudos for creativity. A lot of, like, dream sequences in shows are, like, ext- I, I hate dream sequences in general. I think they're boring. Yeah. They're oftentimes, like, really annoying. Sometimes, especially when they're done to be like, you think this thing is happening? No, it was all a dream! It's mm. like, that's lazy. Like, that's lazy writing. This was, like, somebody had a inspired moment on a mushroom trip and was like, hell yes, we're putting this in the script. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, uh, like you just said, like, it's great. I like it when dream sequences don't make sense. You know, like real dreams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, why am I drowning? And it's like, you know, we can read into it. We kind of talk about the stress that he's under. He feels like he's constantly sinking. Things are pulling him down because he's just like, he's got to manage all this sort of stuff. He's got to try and get his squad through this war. All this, all these things are going on. 
super stressed out, like totally feel it. And then he's also got this like you know conflicting feelings about Naredi, who um, one of our one of our listeners mentioned. Uh, you know, he it is pretty heavily implied that they had a relationship prior to this. And then also his feelings for Colleen, which are developing, and yeah, wonderful, yeah, and super weird, yeah. I, I just, just, just the like wizard vampire and already melting into the skeleton was top right. notch for me, <laughs> right? But it's also like a really good way to like kind of deal with like the complexities of guilt as he like, yeah, he wants mm-hmm. to, you know, like he has these feelings for Colleen, but like, yeah, he has the guilt over letting Naredi go, and yeah. You know, fantastic. Like, that's actually, like, pretty good in-depth character development for, you know, not even just a kid's show. I mean, gosh, we just saw, we were talking about this before the episode, but we just saw the new Batman movie, and there's not a lot of character development in it. Um, <laughs> I mean, he develops into, I'm Batman. <laughs> I mean, that's JT I mean, just starts get, like, okay, talking with a really gravelly voice. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I don't want to go off talking about Batman, but great character <laughs> development. Again, what yeah. makes this show special? Uh, uh and J- jt wakes up obviously and, and then like making you almost think like he's going to be the focus of the episode but no he's not <laughs> he's barely in it uh because we switch over to marsala and nara flying to vespa and as they do they see the repairs that are happening on the city and uh when they land you know she's talking to marsala and she's like now the real work can begin getting our hands good and dirty planting crops and repairing buildings and everything like that and um she goes off to visit james at the hospital this is so grim (laughs) it is like like you knew he was fucked up when we saw him being taken away like 98 percent covered in bandages uh but you didn't know he was gonna be this fucked up um because he's he's literally turned into like a cyborg hunchback yeah Yeah. right and it's god it's like it's where james just really again i think the character of james really encapsulates nicely the horrors of war Mm -hmm. like you know the trauma and experience people go through it's it's a great like way to build up nara's character more too and all the suffering she's had to endure over the uh course of the war but just yeah god like the poor guy <laughs> it's like we when we see him again like after so long he's like ultra skinny from like starved at being starved out and stuff and like that's jarring enough and then now we see him and he's just like he looks like the terminator well yeah because he's got like a cyborg arm right with three fingers uh-huh. or four fi- i don't know it's like it's not it doesn't look like a human hand on the end right it's got this like kind of clasping device and then he's also got like a red laser eye in the one eye socket now um and he's you know a little bit i don't know i hate the word disfigured but like his face is kind of changed shape right you can see like they've stitched the skin around um that sort of side of his face where the like robot eye is and he's trying to read a book like an old-timey paper book which as came on pointed out while we were watching this it's like no one's reading paper books this far in the future It's like the 24th century or whatever. Like, come on, man. Like, the only people who have books in that and that that far in the future are people who, like, deliberately buy, like, an antique bookshelf to put them on. Yeah. Right. Because, <laughs> right. I mean, you know, like, not to go too far in the realm of speculation, but just, like, it's going to be Earth 
in the future, how many trees are even left? Like, you know, it's one thing they, they touch on in the Expanse books a lot is how rare real wood is. Mm-hmm, like, very mm-hmm. few people ever get to see real wood, and, like, real wood furniture is, like, a luxury, and it's, like, there's not there's not enough wood around to be making paper for books. Like, Venusians don't have paper books. Yeah, they're, they're not setting up their paper mill. Like, <laughs> right. Um, it, well, and like like you said, like he he's got this giant robot hand. It's not. This is not. It, it looks like it looks like he went to like a civil war. The the equivalent of like the civil war surgeon, like with a rusty hacksaw. Yes, like, taking off <laughs> shit, and like I I feel like if they would have maybe dwelled on this a little it would have it would have served the story uh, pretty well like they could have been like had we not had we not been in this war and had all the medical technology that we normally would have had available to us been available james would have been in a much better state mm. yeah yeah because yeah. we don't see we don't see anyone else who has these kind of prostheses or anything like that and that's probably just you know again they just don't have time to put that stuff yeah. in the show but like just like when you see it, it's jarring, and you're, and it's, it's like, I feel like they could have done better this far in the future. But, um, he, yeah, he tear, he tears, he accidentally tears out a page of the book, and he gets super frustrated as Nara comes in, uh, and they, they talk, they talk for a little while, and he talks about how, like, once I get out of here, I'm going to find Draconis, and I'm going to finally get my revenge for what he's done to Venus, our family, and now me. Mm. Like, I. I will find him and I will kill him. And Nara is rightfully worried about him. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, I mean, it's tough. Like you got to figure what, what exactly does he have left to live for? Or does like, at this point, what does he feel like he has left to live for? Yeah. Obviously he has a sister. He has rebuilding Venus. There's a lot of things like given enough time, if James were to survive, I'm sure he could make peace with all of this and become a big community leader in Venus and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But he, you know, in this moment, it's just, you know, here he is, he's mangled, he can't read a book, you know, he probably feels like he, he looks like a freak, um, you know, because he does look like the Terminator. And, yeah, it's just like, you know, his entire life is just reduced to vengeance, and like, yeah, I'd be worried about him too. Yeah. And no, well, and I mean, the- shame, nobody tell him that, like, actually Draconis is dead, and it's Draconis <laughs> Part 2, which isn't the actual Draconis that did everything to you, but, you know, shame. <laughs> Draconis 2, Electric Boogaloo. Um, <laughs> I mean, kind of. <laughs> well, and, and you know the the just the the final nail in the coffin is the one major support system he will, could have. Nara is tragically like she can't just stop fighting the war and come take care of it. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah, his last bit of family. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. War is trauma, man. It's nothing but trauma. Uh, we cut we cut over to Marsala, who's in like an old overgrown garden in Vespa. Because the, the, apparently the Neo Sapiens didn't take care of such things, I get it. Um, and he, he, you get the, you get the feeling that maybe he feels a little bit of resentment towards the speech that Nara gave him earlier about getting your hands good and dirty. Because he leans over and he starts like weeding the garden. He's like, "I too can get my hands good and dirty." <laughs> do, you oh, think it's, it's, do you think it's resentment? Go ahead. Hunter. I thought Sorry. I thought maybe he's like trying to impress nora because she has this really romantic vision right like that's the whole point of her bringing it up she says um you know this is the real work like i I wish i could be here for this like for the rebuilding and he tries to um i think initially you know like comfort her by saying oh but you were part of 
the like the fight, right? You were part of like taking down um Neo Sapiens here. So like you obviously are part of this, but she kind of sees it differently. So I I interpreted his gardening as like, I'm gonna show Nora I can also get my hands dirty and do gardening like a human. Terran. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that read on it. Like, like you know, you said he's trying like maybe he's trying to impress her a little bit. Um or yeah. or at least show solidarity. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because like whatever the the kind of romantic tensions there are there like i think there's a deep friendship because they're in each other's minds in their you know like mm. they're like link up to on the sharing the piloting of the uh, e-frame and stuff and like yeah i mean i think there's just like that deep well of like friendship and respect there that this was like you know he's like yeah i'm gonna do something i want to contribute to this because this matters so much to her you know he's mm-hmm. like doing what little bits of like just weeding this garden and also you know this is where you know, not to read too much into it, but this is where James would be going for walks and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and like he doesn't, It's they mentioned it later in the episode, but he doesn't go in because James doesn't feel comfortable around him. Yeah. So this is also like maybe just a little bit of his like way of like thanklessly trying to like beautify the environment that James is in as a way of also kind of, you know, like doing something for Nara. Yeah. And I, I, I want to talk about later about like kind of the, because I think that the way Nara, well, I'll just talk about it now. Uh, at some point, Nara says says that Marsala doesn't go into the hospital with her ever because James is uncomfortable around Marsala. But I don't get that impression at all. And when she calls James out on it, he like shuts her down. Mm-hmm. Like, he's yeah. like, that's not it at all. Why do you think that about me? Yeah. Yeah, because like, well, and because she, she, that's when she thinks that he's kidnapped Marsala, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he's like, I might not. I think I kind of read that scene as like he's like, I might not necessarily feel comfortable about this guy, but I know, I know he's on our side, and I would never do something like this. Like that's yeah. nuts. I like, who do you think? And like, fair, fair enough. Like, it's like I'm your goddamn brother. Like, do you think I would do something like this to your friend? Yeah, not and someone who I think you know James clearly recognizes is you know while maybe not a romantic partner like much more than a friend to nara yeah like as as her little brother he i think he is appreciative of marsala and the bond that they share and as as you just mentioned Kayvon, his kidnapping is what nara is going to go blame him about in the best kidnapping scene i've ever seen (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah, i don't want to get to that it's just like one last thing on the james thing too like because like I like I love James's character. I think he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if we get a if we do someday get a reboot of Exo Squad, more James, please, lots of James. Um, but I think James is like he's a Venusian patriot for first and foremost, mm-hmm. and like he would recognize Marsala as somebody who fought for Venus, right? Like I think that's where you know whatever else discomfort he may have over Marsala being Marsala being a Neosapien. He recognizes this is who someone who, when it came, when it mattered, fought for Venus, fought to liberate Venus, and is 100% on our side. Yeah. So, yes, best kidnapping scene ever. Sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, because this guy who we now know is named Kruger comes out with a bunch of Venusian, uh, former Venusian resistance fighters, and they try to kidnap Marsala, which goes hilariously bad for them. <laughs> Like, yeah. he, 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 like, just straight up owns the first three guys who come out, and then five other people come out and jump on him, 
And I really get the sense had Kruger not been in that E-frame, Marsala would have wrecked them all. Because- <laughs> yeah. Actually, so the scene where like all the agricultural hipsters like come out and jump on Marsala's back and there's like five of them trying to take him down. Uh, I turned to Kayvon and I was like, that's what it feels like to grapple with you in jiu-jitsu. Like- <laughs> oh <laughs> I can't even imagine. <laughs> For listeners who aren't aware, I'm six foot four, about 250 pounds, and Lexi is five foot tall. Yeah, <laughs> 135 yeah, pounds. You put, and... <laughs> a good fight. you put up. You put up a better fight than these ag hipsters did. Thank you, sure. thank you. I'm doing my best. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also. I'm also uh, not trying to wrestle you in like a giant floppy Lana Del Rey hat and like bright red sunglasses <laughs> and I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's the key to victory. Yeah, I need to just come into the mat room in like a crazy outfit and see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You had to, Lexi has some great comments about the uh, the wardrobes of these would be kidnappers. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they're all the. I don't think we've seen more than like one or two of them before, except Kruger. Uh, yeah, but like they all have they all have like these hilariously mismatched outfits in some yes. cases. Yeah, I'm like looking at. I've got it paused here. I've got, I like leave it. Usually leave it playing in the background, muted while we're chatting. And I've got it paused here. And there's like uh, one person in kind of what looks a little bit like a almost like com- sleeveless kimono top, uh, green like a deep green, green pants, a pink belt, red glasses of some kind, a whitish bandana over their face, and a purple and yellow Carmen San Diego hat. Like it's just it's perfect. <laughs> Like, keep doing what you're doing, guys. I love this, like, yeah, ag hipster, as Lexi called it. Um, just beautiful. Yeah. Right. So the ag hipster's uh, trying to take him down. I'm trying to – how do they eventually get him, though? Like, because he is fighting them off quite successfully for the first part of this sequence. I, I If I remember correctly, the, the guy the Kruger comes out on E-frame and just basically, like, hits him. Okay. And, uh, and then he g- grabs him up, I think. Like, kind of okay. scoops him up and holds him. Which you can kind of see, like, watching this, it's like, oh, yeah, this is why, like, they had to develop E-frame technology to put down the Neosapien Rebellion in the first place. Yeah. Because it's like, can you imagine in all those dark, crowded, cramped tunnels in Mars, um, you know, where there's probably a lot of hand-to-hand fighting, like, all these poor, you know, Terran Marines or whatever just getting literally ripped limb from limb by like a bunch of rampaging neo-sapien miners uh-huh uh-huh oh fantastic and and they're put they're put at a slight disadvantage because they're trying not to kill him like if all of those people would have just like shot him he would have he that would have been the end of the fight but in in a hand-to-hand combat Marsala clearly has the upper hand on these nine other people. <laughs> right? I mean, there's one point where he just kind of like, sh- he goes to grab one person and sort of shrugs as he does it and hurls three more people off of his back. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's kind of nice because it's like, you know, so much of the fighting in this is like, you know, lasers and like E-frame battles and stuff like all, you know, ranged combat. We don't see a ton of hand-to-hand fighting in this show. And so it's nice to be reminded sometimes how much stronger mm-hmm. the Sapiens and Marsala in particular is than the rest yeah. of them it's like oh yeah he's like a superhuman and you know what he was probably holding back yeah yeah because yeah, he's also not trying to kill them i yeah. mean imagine we you know when he's got like all these people on his back imagine if he had just flopped backwards <laughs> just like rolled just on top of like them back flop <laughs> yeah you know or or god forbid he has access to the deadliest weapon in the universe a wrench <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, right? Which again, I mean, imagine those tunnels during the uh, during the rebellion, like a bunch of like wrench wielding Neo Sapiens descending. Like, yeah, maybe you shoot down the first three or four of them, but then the twenty behind them are just coming in with wrenches. And... Yeah, that shit's oh. gonna ruin your day. Like, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so hang on. So they take Marsala and they kind of just like jet out of the. I don't know. What do you call it? The safe zone? Hospital. The hospital zone that they're in? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they, so Nara, Nara comes out of the hospital just to see, like, to see this happening, follows them in her E-frame to, like, a water treatment plant, and then, like, they're, they're, like, they're, like, carting Marsala off on, like, a floating, like, hover cart, and she pursues them on foot through a sewage tunnel of some kind, or maybe just a water tunnel. Um, down a ladder that inexplicably ends like twelve feet before it reaches the ground. Yeah. Um. Good design. Yeah, good design. Like, uh, and they're they're at the other side of the tunnel, loading loading Marsala onto a shuttle, and they basically try flood the tunnel. And I'm not sure if they knew Nara was in there, but maybe they did. Um. They may have. I mean, maybe the assumption that they're being like, if we're being pursued, like let's flood this out just in case. Yeah, yeah. Can we can it, we pause really quickly here though? Because as she's going down the top, she um like uh, pulls something out of her belt, plugs it into her side, and then turns on a light on her wrist. Yeah, uh, what was also, that? Right. So first off, the light is on her wrist. So as she's pointing her gun forward, it's actually, and you can see it in the show, it's actually illuminating the hallway to her right and not yep. in front of her. Not helpful <laughs> at <off>. all. <laughs> right. Also, why did she need to plug her belt into her ribs to turn on this light? Like, what is? Yeah. Maybe, maybe there's some bit of like exo lore that I am not aware of, but like, what is the what is the design of this thing and why? So, so like, obviously, like the battery is on the belt, but then like that thing on her wrist is connected to her like body suit. I'm, I'm not really. Yeah, it, it doesn't right, make any sense. Right. It doesn't make any it, sense. It, it doesn't light up in front. It's like just okay if the battery is in the belt, put the light in the belt. Like this, this, this would have been this would have been a perfect opportunity for some thirsty animator to give her boob lights, like just pointing yeah. straight forward, <laughs> or like yes. you know a headlamp, like <laughs> well, just literally a, anything. Because is she holding a pistol or like a gun at this point? I'm trying to. Yeah. yeah so like, yeah, I was also like, why isn't the light on the gun which would also be the most not only the most practical just- like an existing design that we have where the light faces forward where you want to shoot <laughs> like- if there's if there's anything i learned from years of watching x-files you hold your gun and then you hold your flashlight like to the side of the gun pointing forward yeah like yeah we've yeah. we've all watched enough yeah. tv to know how this goes right <laughs> yeah yeah that's, that's probably how it works in real life because tv's never lied so oh uh- Oh my gosh. Also, as they were like flooding the the tunnel that she was in and she's kind of like drowning and choking, <laughs> we were reminded of that scene from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where Charlie and Dee go into the Express episode. Yeah. Where Charlie and Dee go into the sewers. Uh it's just yeah. It's a similar thing. We were like, oh yeah, is this just sewage? Like, are they just flooding her with raw, raw sewage? Like, does she have dysentery now? <laughs> What is- it looked cleanish. I, I don't know, <laughs> but yes, every time, every time you go into a sewer in a video game or in a, in a show or a movie, it's like no one, no one is coming out of this okay. 
Like... No, no, you're gonna, you're gonna, it's, you're gonna have some odors attached to you for a hot minute. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like the whole time for viewers who have seen that it's always sunny episode where they're down in the sewer. Like Charlie's talking about like how he's like, you know, sometimes there's just a wall of water. It just washes over you and you know, all that shit and piss just running through your, over you, rushing through your hair. It's, it's more refreshing than you might think. <laughs> Just that reminded me of that scene just way too much. Gross. Um. Um, also, another like good during this moment. There's another good uh, ag hipster um, uh, kind of outfit we see at oh, one point. There's a lady. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. The the one who turns the the wheel, right? Yes. 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 Top notch ag hipster outfit. She's got like a denim hat on backwards, like denim ball cap on backwards. Uh, short overall shorts. Uh, with one strap undone, a pink shirt, green gloves, what look like brown UGG boots, and blue knee pads. Like, priceless. Amazing. Fantastic. Amazing. This show, like, honestly, I know, like, that show Euphoria is, like, really kind of blowing up the fashion scene uh, right now. But, like, let's, like, l- uh, let's do some Exosquad fashion here. Like, let's make some of this stuff come back. <laughs> right? It's, all, it's so practical. Um, yeah. But, also, did they leave that lady behind? I'm actually, so I'm watching that that moment here. It does look like they did, didn't? <laughs> I think they left her behind. But well, she had to she had to stay to work the water treatment plant or something. Yeah. I don't know. Like, <laughs> she's she she's a collaborator, not a member. Gotcha. <laughs> um, and, and I so Nara Nara saves herself by grabbing onto the aforementioned very short ladder, uh, and then almost gets run over by a bulldozer when she gets out of there. In I guess it's not the same ladder because she doesn't come up at the same place that she went down. But like, why? I don't know. <laughs> she weird. was she was able to grab the second ladder because the tunnel was already full of water. So the water like is pushing her up, and then she's able to get onto the ladder. That's the mechanics as I understood it in the show. Yes, yeah. And the show might have ended right there if the bulldozer would just fucking decapitated her. <laughs> <laughs> right. well, it's also just like, why is this bulldozer driving down the road with its, like, I don't know, bulldozer cloth or whatever you call it down, bucket down? Um, yeah, it, it was only pushing, like, a very small amount of stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm not sure that's the best way to clear a road from of rubble. Like, okay, you want to clear the roads of rubble, but, like, is that how we should be doing it? <laughs> yeah, but it's it's like people in our neighborhood who bring out, like, a giant snowblower when there's, like, two inches of no, snow yeah, on the right. ground. You know, it's just someone having yeah. a laugh. Let's be honest. Yeah. You, well, you're supposed to use a flamethrower. <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's the american way uh the the kidnappers escape on a shuttle uh and go toward go to their one of the old resistance caves presumably where um coincidentally a bunch of neo sapien holdouts are spying on this cave and they're like aha we're gonna take out these resistance forces and take over that cave so we can use it to attack people like yep all right i guess um so these guys also just sorry to interrupt, but they have some like pretty yes. unique new head markings that we haven't seen much of yet, and outfits like yeah, yeah. I like so like yeah. They're also kind of doing a kind of ag hipster neo sapien look here, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, the head markings are like one guy's got an S, another guy has what looks like kind of almost like a stylized like I don't know lotus flower or something like two uh horizontal curvy lines and another line coming up out of it and stuff like it's i don't know pretty neat i'm i'm, I'm digging the new neo sapien head markings 
Yep. Brood marks. That's what they're called. Yeah. Brood marks. Brood marks. Yeah. Excuse me. Um. Where? Oh yeah. So uh, and then after that, we see Winfield uh telling Abel Squad about the the kidnappers having sent a message, and their demands. They're they're holding Marsala ransom i guess is the right word maybe not um but he's, with demands yeah, that, yeah he's a hostage yeah uh, yeah they're holding marcella as a hostage with their demands that all neosapiens serving in exofleet or you know all all neosapiens everywhere uh who aren't currently fighting should be thrown into prison camps um yeah. and uh Nara, Nara reveals at this point that like she thinks James may have information and this is where she talks about like you know she's never been comfortable around her and he, she goes to confront him and uh it, it, while she's saying that like it just it, like it felt it felt like a real a real conversation someone would be having with their friends about like a racist close family member It'd be like oh he's not really racist he's just uncomfortable around people who aren't like mm. like yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which i mean it's again it's like one of these things where it's it's all the moral shades of gray in this show because you you feel for james and you can even kind of understand the the people that kidnapped marsala it's like i mean how many years of, of brutal neo-sapien occupation and then you know there are it, the way they make it sound there's quite a few neo-sapiens serving in exofleet we've of course seen neo nurse we have marsala there's probably a few more um, there's probably some Neo-Sapien collaborators also who are helping, like Neo-Sapien civilian personnel who are running things on Venus who are now collaborating with the um, Exo-Squad occupation or Exo-Fleet occupation. And like, you can kind of like, okay, like I, I don't I don't agree with them and I still think like, you know, especially like the people who kidnapped Marsala are like racists, but at the same time, it's like they've been through a lot and you can kind of understand where this animosity comes from mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. complicated right like it's not yep. it's not that they're right or that they're good or they should be excused but it's much more complicated than just like these are horrible races right same way you can understand you can also understand the neo-sapiens who are like oh we want this cave <laughs> like and we're gonna blow you up to take it uh, again it's just that's what makes this show so good and unique and interesting is the kind of moral gray areas and like no real good guy, bad guy um, kind of situation. Aside from Phaeton, like he's obviously a bad guy, but even he is made more complex than, I don't know, a lot of like Marvel movies, I think, <laughs> would make the uh, villains complex. Yeah. The, there's uh, <laughs> there's definitely a point where uh, some Neo-Sapien guard looks to the other Neo-Sapien guard and it's like, do you ever wonder... Are we the Nazis? <laughs> Are we the baddies? Are we the baddies? <laughs> Bless Iron Sky. Um, the the leader of uh, we go back to the cave where we see the leader of the resistance uh, remnants named Kruger, uh, which I don't think is a mis is a accident. Um, is uh basically pontificating to marsala about like how Ven venus needs to be pure and have no neo-sapiens on it you know not 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 even being subtle about the illusions here uh yeah. and, and marsala is just he's he's marsala and he's like wow that sounds like something phaeton would have said mm -hmm. and you know he he, he basically just sort of said you sound like hitler right now <laughs> yeah right 
<laughs> and it's like it's it's kind of fun to watch him just like absolutely have the upper hand um over this very much i think like cartoon stereotype this is like one place where it's like okay like fair enough like it's a kid's show but it's also like this guy's your absolute cartoon stereotype like hillbilly clansman yeah like, his accent it's like one of the only times i think probably the only time on the show we hear someone with like I'm I, I'm going to use this phrase loosely, but a southern accent because I don't know what the hell his yeah. accent actually is supposed to be. He sounds ridiculous. The, I like, mean, that's what it's it's the hick farmer version of a Venusian, I guess. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> and that's where it's just kind of like, hang on, what? <laughs> like, but yeah. So very much like he's like, we got to make it pure. We got to get these blue skins out of here. Like, you got a real pretty he mouth. Has... <laughs> like, sorry, sorry, should have taken a bit. Uh, no, no. no. <laughs> he's like, right, he's like wandered in out of the cast of Delivery. Yeah, that's what he sounds like. I don't know. He, he might as well have been wearing a pillowcase over his head. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. uh, and 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 he go like I like the part where he goes to like hit Marsala for being insolent, and Marsala's like, "You could resort to violence. It won't make you right, but you could." And then he just walks away in a huff. Like, right. Oh no, I've been outsmarted. Oh man, and I like I think I also kind of feel like the under the subtext of that whole conversation too is that like you can hit me, but it's also not going to hurt me. You're probably going to break your hand on my hardened Neosapien. That violence. would have been an amazing way to take that scene. Yeah, like he tries to punch him in like the jaw or something, and he just goes away. He's like, ah, <laughs> ah. Right. He's like, my bugs were designed through. to like deal with like crushing hard heavy labor, <laughs> unlike your puny Terran bones. Or it just says it in that wonderful Barsala way. Like, did you know that the Neo Sapien bones are much denser than you? <laughs> More comparable to iron than bone. <laughs> you can hear you can hear Brodsky rolling his eyes. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, James and Nara uh, after their after their argument in the hospital, you know, James basically convinces Nara, like, listen, I'm on your side. I want to help Marsala. And they fly to their old farm. And then, you know, James says, okay, I have to go the rest of the way alone because, you know, if they see you, they'll they'll kill Marsala. And then he flies off in the tandem for him uh, towards the cave. And when he gets there, he gets out. And the first thing I thought, like, he's like, it looks like he's got like a cane, right? But he's hunching over because it's so short. Like, couldn't they have given him a taller one so he could stand up straight? Like, or maybe right. he can't. I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah maybe. I mean, it's because uh, who knows the full extent of his injuries. Maybe he mm -hmm. has he's, he is hunched over or whatever. Or maybe it's just like because of the, all the new cybernetics is They're probably, heavy. you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's like, you know, I mean, brain is all probably still trying to figure out how to move with that sort of stuff. So maybe it's easier for his balance to be bent over. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, it, it, so James gets to the cave and, you know, he basically convinces them that he's on their side. And at this point, Able Squad is joining Nara at the farm. And James is attempting to free Marsala while the rest of the, while the kidnappers are sleeping. And he, he, you know, Marsala, Marsala is like, you shouldn't do this. You're putting yourself at great risk. And James, you know, says like, I, I see why my sister likes you so much mm -hmm. and they almost get to the e-frame but then they're stopped by the resistance and the neo sapiens attack at the same time 
and like a few things a few things about this cave and it's and it's and it's furnishings i love like there's three agro hipsters like i love that we're calling them that now just sleeping on a giant huge like seven foot tall pile of grass yes or hay or whatever that was yeah 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 Yeah, i was like wait a minute is there hay in this cave like what it's just uh, like you know they have to it's like we got to make it feel like home folks bring in the hay it's they're all bumpkins yeah. they love sleeping on hay right that's that's the bumpkins natural like preferred place for repose is a pile of hay well they have to they have to have the the hay stock to put in their teeth because yeah it's, it's it's a law like they have to have one at all times <laughs> um, even even the bumpkins of the 24th century must be <laughs> oh i love it uh no marsala and james join the resistance in fighting the neo-sapiens you know the enemy of my enemy is or you know (laughs) the enemy of my enemy is my friend right that's it um and uh there's there's this cool part where like the neo-sapiens throw a grenade and marsala just chucks it right back at them like god marsala is so fucking he's such a badass Um, totally yeah. yeah um and like you know, throughout throughout all this, like like you know, going back to our dream scenario of a reboot, I want a whole like season just devoted to the resistance and, from the day of the invasion up until now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah, I think I think that would be badass because they're they're like they're like the true guerrilla heroes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of sure. You know, Mel Mel Gibson may be a huge racist, but I love the Patriots, and it kind of gave me the like I think about like those vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's I mean I think like both Earth and um, Venusian Resistance like could have their own series, and that's where it's just like this is such a rich franchise. There's mm-hmm. so many possible like you know spinoff series you could do here, and yeah, like a season with the Venusian Resistance, a season with the Earth Resistance. I want the Pirates backstory. You know, uh-huh. like taken out to mine the outer belt and then like left there to fend for their own devices of becoming pirates, like and like you know maybe culminating with the birth of Jonas Sambaka. Um, yeah. You know, there's so many the uh, the, uh, the Neo Sapien Rebellion. Like I would, I want like a three season story of that. Absolutely. Yep. There's so many, so many stories that you could build on and expand on here. Um, that it just, yeah, it's it's just such a rich narrative. During the fighting, uh, Marsala manages to call Able Squad, and uh, they they mount up and start flying in. Um, Nara has to fly in the Exo Fighter with Ka- the Exo Fighter with Kaz, and <laughs> I couldn't tell if he was just flirting or making a joke, but yeah, I think the implication is that he was possibly flirting. It's like, now's not the time. Kaz. Yeah, <laughs> that was a weird interaction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it, 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 we, we don't get that much interaction between Nara and Kaz throughout the series. Right. No, and it just seems really, I don't know, he like jumps in her, she jumps in his lap, which was kind of awkward to begin with. And then he's also like drawn weirdly way bigger than she is. Like we see yeah. a bunch of scenes of them standing around. They're about the same height. And then he just like kind of swallows her when she jumps in. She's just like. He's enormous. Like his head is the size of her torso in that scene. It's yeah. He's almost Neo Sapien size. It looks like. 
it was it was weirdly thirsty. I was I was almost I was I was half expecting Nara to be like, "Is that your flight stick? Or are you just happy to see me?" <laughs> right. Um, right. It's like I, I'm going to be reporting you to HR after this. Flight. <laughs> well, we we all know that Nara has a long history of hu- of HR violations. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Right. Also, HR's dead. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're probably the first people that were shot into the sun, sadly, or not sadly, either way. Um, Sorry for any listeners who work in HR. Never trust HR, they're not on your side. Oh, man. I mean, but for real, though. But yeah, it's just, Uh, and it's also, it's like, you're going to save her boyfriend. Everybody kind of knows it. Like, everybody has to know there's, like, there's something there. And it's just like, you're going to save her, like, kind of space boyfriend, man, like chill it was it was just weird like i they yeah. just needed dialogue to fill the scene yeah they, like they could have done a little better oh whatever um uh. J- james uh the fight the fight continues on at the cave like there's this there's this good scene where james is like approaching a neosapien e-frame and it blasts off the uh the cockpit canopy canopy of uh the tandem e-frame that he's piloting and does Marsala fall out of it at this point, or does he just get? Oh no, uh, Marsala's still on. on He's feet. on foot. Yeah, James. Like, there's like there's a like great shot of like James's like hair is flying around, the things tilting over, there's smoke all around them. It's like a really nice, nicely mm. animated little bit there. Yeah, and then yeah, we uh, cut and see Marsala's like on his feet fighting somewhere else. Yeah, and Marsala gets basically knocked out, and Kruger is about ready to smash his head with a giant rock, mm-hmm. but James James saves him uh, by bashing Kruger with the frame. Well, he shoots um, the rock first, which is also, like, super fucking impressive. Yes, yes. J- James, who doesn't really have that much experience in an E-frame, like, comparatively, yeah. uh, manages to shoot this rock out of Kruger's hands without injuring Kruger. Yeah. And Can we then, also mentioned that he's piloting this with his mechanical hand that he couldn't turn the page of a book with. <laughs> yeah, his he's piloting a an E-frame he's not used to that is that has been damaged with his robot arm that he's still not very good with yet. James is a superhero. Uh yeah. <laughs> and, and then and then someone shoots the rocks above Kruger who gets presumably killed by the uh by the avalanche. Um No loss. Yeah, it's no, no a, one mourned. Yeah, yeah, the no future like Kruger. Christian George Lincoln Rockwell. Like we can, yeah, all right, great, like awesome. <laughs> um, and Able Squad arrives and it ends up fighting against both the Neo Sapiens and the Resistance when they do. Uh, but they're Able Squad, so they win. <laughs> and um, Able Squad always on the right side of history. <laughs> That's right. No, well, the well, winning side. They win. Yeah, they win, so they get to write history. Correct. Yeah, but they are the right side of history. <laughs> um, and it's at this point that, like, while the fighting is going on, James has lifted up Marsala uh, with the like front guns of the, the Z frame, and he's like, because he can't really do anything else. He's trying to escape to keep Marsala safe. And Nara lands with Kaz and gets out and is trying to run after them to, like, tell them the fighting's over so that they can get help for both of them. Yeah. And uh, he manages – is that the snake tree that he takes him to? I think so, yeah. Um, okay. 
I'm pretty sure. I can't remember exactly what the snake tree looks like, but that's that was my assumption was because that's what he said. I'll meet you at the snake tree. Mm. Um, and I guess he does take off before Nara gets there. Um, and so, yeah, she, it must be nearby because this is all like you kind of get the sense this is all in like their immediate area. Um, yeah, well, I, I think when when we first went to Venus after the invasion, the reason why Nara knew where they were was because he found a recording from James saying, come to the snake tree, you'll be able to find me from there. That's right. right, right. And it's like some cave they probably played in as kids or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, also watching like as i'm watching this in the background uh rad cameo among the ad far ag farmers that are fighting delion in the cave um is our friend who has the uh, jetpack with the pistol oh wow no <laughs> yeah, you're on yeah. the wrong side dude know, right it's like come on man like you're, you're way too cool for this plus wasn't he on wasn't that earth that we saw him at jetpack no pistol he man? he was he was he was uh leading the charge at vespa Okay, I th- or, all right, fair enough. Yeah, 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 you're right. I couldn't remember where we saw him. But yeah, so he's, but yeah, he's definitely, uh, man, like, wrong side of history. I'm disappointed in you, Jetpack Pistol, man. You were you were the hero that we could have loved, but now you're nothing. Yeah. <laughs> nothing. Just, just another shitty racist. All you have is your Jetpack. <laughs> um, uh-huh. And the 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 I think the last notable like little bit of action we see is Alec like expertly shoots some stalactites. Or stalagmites. I think it's the tights, right? Stalactites. Yeah, you know? hmm? I do I do know because I went on a tour of some caves in South Africa as a child, and the tour guide explained it as stalactites hold tight to the roof, and stalagmites might reach the ceiling one day. Just a, oh, yeah. a cute little mnemonic to help you remember which is which. I actually feel like you've told us that on the show. Before, <laughs> and I, I kind of do feel like that's come up also on Exo Friends, the geological podcast. <laughs> <laughs> on the geological millennial, millennial network. <laughs> the elder geological network. <laughs> there we go. That's it, friends. All, we're going to be talking about volcanoes from here on. Oh, my uh, God. Fun fact, actually, fun fact, Dave and I met in a geology class in high school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mr. Hersky's ninth grade geology. The the magical, magical place. Magical place. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, The, uh... Yes, Yeah, Alec, like, expertly shoots some stalactites off a ceiling to make a cage around some of the ag hipsters. Right, right. Um, and, and instead of being like, thanks for the cover, they're like, uh, we surrender. They just, just throw their guns, guns down. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, if I was that outclassed, I'd surrender, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so James James gets to the snake tree, drops Marsala on the ground in a safe spot, and, like starts to walk away and like i think the i think the implication is like um he was just trying to make sure that if the e-frame fell down it wouldn't hurt marsala but he also in the at the same time has succumbed to his injuries as nara and marsala walk over to find him having passed on yeah it's not really clear what those injuries are though like you mentioned at the beginning I was like, oh, okay, James is not okay here. Wow, cool. Uh, it's also kind of funny because he says, like, 
as he's placing Mosala down on the ground, he's like, take care of Nara for me. Oh, and then like steps over him and then keeps walking. I thought he was going to walk off the edge of the cliff. Even like watching this again, I didn't remember, but it's really funny because all that happens is like, he obviously either dies or passes out in the E-frame and then the E-frame just stops working and like falls over with him like literally going face first, like eating the dirt and then this like giant, like I don't know how many tons of like E-frame just like, like squashes down on top of him (laughs) maybe that's the implication and like it really it really is a sad scene it is like i think again because it's a kid's show they can't really yeah like show how like Gree- like him getting grievously wounded like maybe maybe just the strain of everything he tried to mm. do before he completed his rehab like was yeah. too much for him yeah and you know he didn't seem like he didn't seem like he was that super into living anymore anyways so well and that's the i mean that's the the real um, insidious thing about internal bleeding is you don't always know what's happening until yeah. you're dead yeah. that's true um, yeah and it's like yeah if he's got like you know the 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 new cybernetic bits are all slowly like still bonding and he's straining himself and tearing like mm-hmm. whatever however you suture flesh to metal and that's all torn internally and he's like bleeding internally he's probably just filling up with blood and dying that <laughs> has be. been this whole fight scene <laughs> could be yeah. um, or or Lexi you know he just gets smashed by, by the E-frame after it topples over in which case he farmer. probably could have lived if he just stopped and handed off Marsala which Far is more also gruesome. a tragedy. Yeah, <laughs> a huge tragedy. Um, uh, but yeah, it is, it's fucking, it's crushing. Like, it's mm. like poor Nara, who, like, we just know has, like, she's lost her parents, her home's been destroyed, Venus, this planet that she, like, has these deep, you know, kind of attachments to, uh, has been obliterated by the Neo-Sapiens, the population's been reduced, her whole world has been just torn away from her. And James is that one, and you we know because they've done such a good job, episode after episode, setting up how much James means to her, how important he is, having these really wonderful moments all through the this episode even where like she realizes like you know he he understands how important Marsala is, is willing to set aside his own kind of you know uh, uh, prejudice toward Neo Sapiens to look after Marsala and all this stuff and be like a good brother, and then he dies and like it's just man like that much grief and trauma placed on a, a character in a kid's show is like I, I i can't think of anything that comes close anywhere mm-hmm. no yeah um yeah, we we get a we get an end card after that for we, alec actually, sorry oh, okay. just to interrupt no, that's okay but also because there's another key moment here uh that again gives the lie to a lot of the human perceptions of neo sapiens marsala cries Oh, I didn't notice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's in tears. Is that how the episode ends with him crying? Mm-hmm. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, he like he cries and then he looks up and then we have. Uh, I'm watching it now. It fades to black from a shot of him uh, from behind. There's a snake tree and then he's just past it. Um, but yeah, like we get that moment of him crying and it's like, yeah, actually like here it is, you know, it, it again, I think kind of underscores the fact that Neo Sapiens aren't emotionally express expressive, but they are emotional mm. and yep. you have to imagine what he's feeling to kind of hammer home again, just how traumatic and awful a moment this is like here he is crying, you know, someone who is obviously has an emotional interiority, but is not really able to express it externally very well 
in tears at this moment. Like how how torn up is he also at this scene? Mm-hmm. Oof, heavy stuff. Yeah. Uh, after that, the mood picks up with a <laughs> with an end card for Alec Dalion showing us a young Alec, uh, basically committing crimes on the streets of paris i think it's not really clear because it just says he grew up on the streets of paris and you're like oh that explains his accent totally uh and then he like (laughs) runs through it's like a couple coming out of a restaurant or like just a couple walking in the street and he just like runs through and like pushes them both like out of his way instead of running around them he kind of runs through them but it's not really clear like yeah like what what was he doing on like, yeah, was he committing crimes? Was he a little, little like, I, I, street urchin? I don't know what the vibe is there. I, I feel like I feel like that end card is made out of uh, recycled footage from another episode where we learn, like, where we see some things about his past, mm. like his recorded memories. Um, and, and the voiceover from Winfield makes this comparison to the French Foreign Legion. You know, he joined it to get away from that past, which... The only thing I know about the Foreign Legion is what cartoons and probably very inaccurate movies have told me is that it's this thing that French people join to leave France. And oppress their colonial subjects. Well, yes, that too. Yeah, that's about it. Um, I think he is running from a cop car in that scene. Oh, okay. so he's being chased by the police. Um, so I think the implication is there that he's like some kind of petty criminal street urchin type. Um uh, definitely still has his trademark glasses and haircut, though, even as a kid. Like, I really love, like, the young De Leon that we see here. <laughs> it's just, like, kind of hilarious looking, like, because he's got this, like, sleeveless shirt that's, like, torn at the sleeves. Um, and then his, like, De Leon hair and glasses, it's it's pretty, I don't know, I, I, it made me chuckle. Yeah. Uh and that's that's the end of this episode. I think I think I think I'm going to top off today's episode. Unless you guys have something you really want to talk about with a plug, um, yeah, just a a Twitter a Twitter comment we got for the uh, for the episode about oh. we are dream live cast or live live movie cast mm-hmm. um, from Fred at Friggins uh, uh, on Twitter. Uh, I enjoyed this cast episode. Uh, I'm glad you added a couple of the jump troops into your to your cast lineup love them so much uh i really enjoy these this these side episodes and would love to hear y'all's top 10 exo characters maybe an idea for the next side episode shoot hey. now i want now i want to rank my top 10 exo characters so let's let's just do, like let's just do like a quick hot take like maybe not top 10 but uh top three from each of us how about okay how about maybe we could do favorite and then because i like this idea like let's yeah. do a top 10 episode here okay. in the future and so actually do we do we want to i would i don't i don't want to steal the thunder from that i think we should just do like a, a top 10 countdown where we each do like 10 9 8 down to one um i think that's a great idea would love to do that um thank you uh fred was the was the commenter's name yes, yes. hey great idea fred thanks for listening yeah thank you that's awesome Fred, Fred is also the name that I use whenever I'm playing Horizon Zero Dawn with my partner Nancy, and I kill like a guard who's standing next to another guard, <laughs> and the other one just looks at it, and I'm always like, "Fred, Fred, you okay?" <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I gotta play that game. It sounds so fun. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. So yeah. Well. So, so Fred, you've inspired us. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Be on the lookout. Yeah. Maybe, maybe in a couple of episodes here, we can absolutely do another side episode. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and in the meantime, listeners, if you'd like to send us in your top ten lists, we can always mention them uh, at the end of that episode.
Yeah, we can yes, compare and contrast, make a mega list. We can make a yeah. spreadsheet. Oh, I'm nerding out about this now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you got Lexi excited about spreadsheets. Excellent. Uh, oh, no. You've all, you've all excited two research, two research uh, doctoral people and a guy who has to deal with spreadsheets every day. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, you can call us financial spreadsheets. Mm, this is more exciting. A spreadsheet full of like Exo Squad characters is way more fun. I mean, yes. As as someone with a political economy background, I do like a good financial spreadsheet sometimes. So. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, on that note, uh, everyone, stay safe. Uh, be happy and uh, enjoy yeah. enjoy the world as it comes. Well. You know what's happening these days. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy the world as much as you can. How about that? Yeah. yeah. You know, whatever, not, not going to bother with any commentary about Ukraine and Russia. That is a whole mess in and of itself. But the likelihood of nuclear war is still pretty low, so we probably don't have to fret too much about that, I hope, fingers crossed. But it's pretty. It's still pretty low. I don't think NATO has any interest in getting involved in this conflict, so... Even either, either way, you know, you know, embrace your loved ones, hold on to the things that matter, keep watching Exo Squad, and tune in next time. Yep. Yep. See you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye.